Harris Sultan is a Pakistani-Australian ex-Muslim atheist, author, blogger and activist. His book, The Curse of God, Why I Left Islam, is now available on Amazon. I was fascinated by Harris's story and I think part of most of the problems with religion is that we don't know a lot about them. So we believe what we're told. So I wanted to chat to Harris today to get a little bit of clarity on his life and experience with religion. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Harris. How are you? I'm very good, and thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming onto the show. I really appreciate it. Now, I just wanted to ask, um, if I could, some questions. And first of all, I just wanted to know about your early life. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I, was, uh, I was born in Lahore, Pakistan. Those of um, Australians who, I don't know, if they used to watch um, uh, cricket back in the day, they would know where Lahore is, um, is the second biggest city in Pakistan. It's, uh, it's quite historical, uh, one of the oldest in the, in, in the region. And um, yeah, I was, I was born there. Uh, I went to a Christian school, believe it or not. Wow. Um, and um, it, it, it's, yeah, well, I belong to a middle-class family. I went to a good school, better than the average people. Uh, we were slightly in the middle-class um, household and uh, pretty moderate uh, religious family, so to speak. I mean, everyone is conservative by Western standards in Pakistan, but but by Pakistani standards, I'd say we were quite open. We were quite, quite modern sure. uh, and not 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 even religious, but pretty liberal as well. Yeah, yeah. And what were some of your first thoughts of your past religion? Like, you know, as you were growing up, when did you sort of start to you know, when you, your mind sort of triggers into, well, this is not just, you know, normal life. This is something that's a little bit different, a little bit more spiritual. What were your sort of your first thoughts about religion? Well, uh, it, it never made sense. I mean, uh, uh, now that I've spoken to a lot of other ex-Muslims uh, and a lot of other atheists as well, they all tell me the same thing. Some of the most basic problems in religions that we now see that um, you know, that, okay, now I've studied Dawkins or I've uh, studied Bertrand Russell or, or whatnot. And then, then you think, okay, that, no, that's not how it works. I mean, I think all of us, uh, at some point in our lives, we, we, we think that something doesn't add up. But the problem in, 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 in religious household or societies is that we are not encouraged to ask those questions. I mean, I remember I asked my mother when I was nine or ten years old if God created everything, who created God? And my mother was like, well, you know, we don't know. And, you know, she, she didn't quite encourage that thought either. Um, and, and, and then you, you go to school and then you think that aren't other people wondering that or they're not questioning the same thing. Um, and in the religious classes, you would see that, okay, everyone's kind of rehashing and reinforcing each other's beliefs, but they're not really asking each other's question. I mean, we, we, we've been told the stories of, you know, jinns, the ghosts, yeah. the demon and magic and all that, but, but no one has actually seen that. No one has actually experienced that. Yes, to some, re, to some extent, we believe that, okay, my mother's, so my late grandmother's ghost was in the house. I, I have a strong feeling about that. And then, well, like, whoa, that might have happened and whatnot. 
So, I mean, as a, as a kid, I always had those questions yeah. where things just didn't add up. And, you know, we, we, you, I guess we became, it, it becomes a norm for everyone to kind of just shut up and just get on with it. Just accept it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, that's a very similar thing to me. I mean, I was brought up in, you know, not a very religious family, but my grandparents were very religious and we were sent to them when my parents first separated and were living with them for a little while. So, you know, we were going to Sunday school and also through the week we'd have to go to sort of Bible study classes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's funny what we accept, what we're told. Um, I, I remember actually from researching a little bit about you, 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 there was a story you were telling about a donkey with wings that flew up to heaven and stuff like that. Um, and that's, sort yeah. of, that's where I sort of sit with things too. I mean, hearing and reading about the Bible, there's certain things within it that I just go, how did, but how does that work? And I find it very surprising that in, in this day and age where we can find murderers with DNA, we still haven't found or discovered any facts about what we've, we've been brought up with. Um, and I've often said that, you know, instead of sending people into space, maybe we should be spending more money on trying to find out if this is a reality or not. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's amazing. I actually, I discussed that in my book, uh, the, 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 um, that how, you know, every other uh, department, every other field of, uh, or every other study or subject of humanity, anything that we have touched, it has grown it has advanced further whether it's you know the, the, how we try to look into the past or biology sciences literature etc whatever that is it is more advanced than what it was 100 years ago and that was more advanced than what it was 200 years ago but this this magic and this you know uh, the, the stories of ghosts and angels and god that is exactly where it was before you know still we are told then that is real, no evidence, believe in it. And yeah, that's yeah. exactly what was said or told 2,000 years ago. So when did you start to question the religion enough to want to leave it? Right, okay, so I would say that, I mean, I, I always questioned it, but, but for some reason, you know, everyone is a, a religious around you and you believe that, okay, there must be, I, must, I might be wrong, I might not be getting anything. And also when you're nine or 10 years old, I mean, that's not the first thing that you're worried about. And then I would say, there, there, were, there came a point in my life when I became quite religious. I would say somewhere around the ages of 15, 16. Now, this was the world um, just when 2001 had happened. Uh, and now everyone was looking into Islam. And I, I also kind of became a bit of an extremist at that point. And that says not that blowing up for anyone. But I mean, my own, my own family was kind of concerned in a way that, you know, like I was... I, I, not, not, I, I couldn't grow my beard, otherwise I would have grown that as well. But, you know, like I, I was acting very religious. I was praying so much and I was going to the mosque and uh, reading the Quran a lot every day. And uh, so, so there was a phase in my life that I, when, I, when I thought, okay, now if I'm going to, if I believe in this, then I have to apply everything in my life. I have to act accordingly as my God has commanded me. Um, but, but, but then again, it just wasn't adding up. But those couple of years, I must admit, I was uh, I, I fully devoted myself to the religion. You know, I, I, I even refrained from listening to music and, you know, stopped looking at girls, stopped thinking about girls, even though that was the hardest thing. You know, as you're 16, you know, 15, 16 years old, that's the only thing that is in your head. And then I moved to Australia when I was 19. And 
And then I would say my world just started changing. I mean, I started looking at the world from a different lens. Now, there was one thing being told and there was one thing how you see the world in the news and, you know, in the movies, etc. But then you look at it and then, I mean, that's why it's a beautiful thing that whoever said it, you know, like wherever it came from, that we should learn. I just give this advice for every youngster that just go out and travel the world. Your worldview truly expands when you when you look into other cultures and other societies. And, and, and at that point, I'd say from between, even though I already had a ticking time bomb in my mind, um, but then when I came to Australia, I was 19, and then I started looking into Australian society. And I go, well, you know, according to Islam, whatever my understanding was. Now, now I've gone to a different stage. I can come later on. And, but then I looked at these guys. Great, you know, there's no one, you know, there's less crime, they're more clean, and uh, no, no one is hurting anyone. Again, then you look into other things as well. You realize there are problems everywhere. But, yeah. but it's not, it's not, I mean, if we are the God's favorite religion, we follow the God's favorite religion, why are we not, you know, God's, if we are the God's favorite people, what is going on? We've got more murder, more rape, more, you know, everything is terrible in Pakistan. So to speak. Yeah. Some people might say, well, okay, that might not be a good guy, but I'm just explaining that how I started thinking differently. And then I came into, then I ran into Richard Dawkins and, you know, every question that had been growing in my mind for all these years was now I was thinking, okay, there are other smart and intelligent people who think like me, and but they have articulated their thoughts very well. And then, you know, it, it became really easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, f- I find it really interesting. I mean, I'm not an atheist myself. I still have that small belief within myself that, you know, there is something, so I don't know what that something is, but um, I, I, over the last couple of years, I've, my whole view on religion has changed a lot because I see very little good coming from it. All I really do see is a lot of evil and people sort of, you know, what I call Sunday Christians because, you know, it's only the one day that they actually practice anything religious. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I haven't seen a lot of good coming from it. So I understand why people, you know, want to question. And, and I think it's a really good thing that we all do question and, and, and seek out the truth of our lives, whether it be religious or not. I think it's really, really important. Um, when, so like there's a big difference between leaving a religion to becoming an atheist. So what led you to that choice? Um, I, I, I guess I, I probably ran into Richard Dawkins and, and the new atheist movement, so to speak, that, that kind of captured my imagination. I, and, and maybe I always lacked the God gene, so to speak, some people say. I, uh, I, I just could not, I have seen some examples where people go from, uh, ex-Muslim to new Christians, and I'm like, mm, you, you, know, you still have that baggage. For example, as I, you might have heard me say, and I did say it quite often. I still say it quite often that, you know, yeah. how did Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, went to heaven on a winged donkey? That's just ridiculous for me to believe. But okay, that story. If you believe that that story is ridiculous and those miracles are are just ancient fables, then then you know you have the same baggage in Christianity as well. You have these similar kind of miracle stories that your mind just cannot accept. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, like resurrection, and you know the, the talk of and the baby Virgin and, Mary and, and, <laughs> and the Virgin Mary, all all kind of stories. And then every religion you look at, all these stories are there at some point. And and it and to me, it really watered down the the effect of religion. We now know that the, the, this concept of spirituality and and and, and the our, our existing predisposition of wanting to believe in some sort of an energy, some sort of a God or a deity is so strong that people who are discarding religion are still somehow, to some extent, believing in some sort of a being out there. So, uh, but, but, but because religions contain these fun stories that are so hard to believe and accept now for a modern 21st century person, um, that you know they've, they've, they've done a huge disservice to religion. Um, so I, I have I have discussed that in my book, and I've explained that how a deistic god would probably be a more logical explanation at some point. But again, a deistic god to me um, is it, just a useless god because even if he did create the universe and everything and created us, but let us be. Um, then there's no hammer around. So what's the point? I mean, there's no evidence, right? So there's no evidence of what caused the Big Bang or what happened after, what happened before that or what not. Um, if there was a being who created this, it just doesn't matter whether you believe him or not because he doesn't demand us to be to 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 believe in him. Um, so so that's why I mean, either you become to me either you become religious. But religions don't support, uh, religions don't make sense to me, then most likely atheism is the, is the only reasonable option left. Yeah. I mean, funny enough, just listening to you talk then, it's, it's just brought up a thought in my head is that, you know, it's sometimes people re- relate. Well, I mean, I do. I, I relate things like when people say, there's that old story, you know, Santa Claus is watching. It's sort of like Jesus. Jesus is always watching. And, you know, here is these beliefs and and this book written so, so long ago. Um, But he's always watching us. So he knows that we've now modernized and we're allowing gay marriage and we're, you know, technology is changing and, you know, we're leaving the planet on little tin, you know, jet planes and whatever, whatever. Um, but he hasn't moved along with the times with us. It, it, do you know what I mean? It's no. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. No, and um, and as you said... You go, sorry, yeah. go on. So I just want to quickly make a point, as you said, that you know nothing good comes out of religion. And, 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 and I, I usually rephrase it like that. I say nothing good exclusively comes out of religion, but on the other hand, a lot of bad comes out of religion. Okay, you know, Muslims could say, you know, charity comes out of Islam, so it can come out from other religions as well, and Christianity, you know, love that neighbor, all that kind of thing. But, but our point is that when nothing's exclusively coming out of religion, um, you could be still nice to your parents, uh, to, to your parents and to your neighbors and uh, do charity despite, without believing in all this religion. Exactly. But on the other hand, a lot of bad comes out of religion. I mean, imagine if, if Jesus was, if Christianity or, or, or Islam, they, these religions were not against homosexuality. Yeah. We've had this LGBTQ revolution, I don't know, a thousand years ago, maybe 500 years ago, at least 100 years ago, but then we are having it today. How many people have been hung for simply being gay? So 
so uh, that I attribute that bad to religion. Yes, we can have the Pope today saying, well, Jesus' we, we central message is to be, be, be kind to people. Therefore, if, gay, if they are gays, you've got to be kind to them. Okay, that's a lot of stretch. And it, it took you 2,000 years to stretch your beliefs to that point. Um, to me, it's just a cop out now because, you know, they realize, okay, in one hand, people are leaving religion because of this um, lack of compassion for, uh, for people who don't follow the norm. Yeah, exactly. Or homosexual, or even women, or what, what not. They, that's why they've changed the strategy. So I say a lot of, lot of evil comes, a lot of bad comes out of it, but all the good that comes out of it, it you know, it's not exclusive to those religions either. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Ants Talk. So that was actually my next question. As an Aussie with not much awareness of the Muslim beliefs, what would, you, would the religion say about me as a gay man? Um, okay, so so the, Islam works in a different way, slightly different way to uh, it works uh, with uh, Christianity. Islam has a central book, which is the Quran. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a book with 6,000 odd verses or so. Uh, no one in, in, in the Muslim world, scholars or anyone, can actually deny the Quran. What's in the Quran is the final word of God. However, the problem even with the Quran is that God was finally decided to speak to us uh, for the last time and he left his message and said, okay, I've sent um, so many prophets before, all you guys screwed up my previous messages, like the First Testament, the Old Testament, sorry, Old Testament, New Testament, but not. Um, you, you screwed that up. Now I'm sending the final word. Now this is it. It will remain like this until the end of times. So whatever you want to learn, learn it from that. Now, obviously, 6,000 verse uh, books, so it doesn't contain everything. It's also written in a language which is very poetic. It's just whoever wrote the Quran was trying to be very cute, so to speak. So we don't have a straight in, one interpretation of the Quran. We have so many interpretations of the Quran uh, that different scholars have different versions of it. Now, there are close to 100-odd sects in Islam, which all have 100-odd inter- different interpretations. The problem is not only just the Quran. What happens after the Quran, the sayings of Muhammad, the prophet, the inventor of Islam, and his, and his life, which is called the Sunnah, uh, his, his sayings are called the Hadith. Now, that's where the jurisprudence mainly comes from. So we have conflicting sayings of the prophet. There are there are there is a saying that says throw the gay uh, homosexuals off the rooftops. You might have seen ISIS doing that. Yes. So they're yeah. following that saying of the prophet, where a lot of other Muslims don't regard the authenticity of that saying. And so what that saying is not. Uh, we don't have the full uh, the all the all the uh, all the, the whole chain of narrators. So we, 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 we call that a weak saying. And then they are saying that, okay, uh, homosexuals should be just killed. Now, that one also different schools of thought have different opinions on that. Some say, okay, talk to them, have a, you know, so to speak, like have a therapy. Um, and that, but in the Quran itself, there's actually no punishment. But in the Quran, the story of Lot is in the Quran as well. You know, the, the infamous story where the angel came Profit a lot, and everyone in that in that village wanted to somehow have sex with those beautiful men angels, 
And then God got so angry that he destroyed the entire village. Now, which I wonder what happened to all the straight people in there, all the children in there, you know, and uh, surely not everyone was gay. What about the women in there? So, um, so that, but that story in the Quran like that. But then a lot of that comes from the sayings of Muhammad. Now, I must admit that those sayings are very problematic. And this is why there is no consensus in Islam. There are hundred or so Islamic sects or different uh, schools of um, uh, different types of believers within Islam. And they all have their own, they follow their own favorite sayings and they, they extrapolate their jurisprudence from that. In the Sunni school, of course, now that's the one you need to look into. That's the biggest one, 90% of Muslims are Sunnis. They follow four schools of thoughts. Um, all four schools of thoughts are either um, support death penalty or uh, severe consequences, like, um, you know, just yeah, yeah. arresting them in a the house, and so to speak. So it, it's not it's not good news. But again, the modern Muslims now not every Sunni believes in that. Not every Sunni follows those four schools of thoughts because they came from certain scholars in the 10th, 11th, 12th centuries. So not everyone believes that. And that's why there's a movement now, thanks to the LGBTQ community, which is active everywhere in the world, and then it flows from west to the eastern countries. And they, we are seeing a shift. And as a result, what, what is happening in the Christian world, where Pope is, um, is softening their stance on LGBTQ issues, feminist issues, etc., we're seeing there, there's just a little hint that that might be happening in the Muslim world. It's still a long way to go. Yeah, because I mean, I've got Muslim friends myself, and I, you know, I've often wondered how can they love and accept me and still follow their faith. I mean, if 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 this is just a different, or is it just a difference between a believer and their perception of religion, or a fanatic? You know what I mean? Like, and I suppose from what I've just got, what you you've just explained, it's sort of very similar to our testaments. You know what I mean? Like they're written by different people, different times. So it's, it, it all comes down to people's perception. And then I suppose it also then comes down to, um, uh, you know, translating the language and, and what one person was taught from what that word means to another person was taught, you know. And, I mean, as we've seen over history, that can be from zero to 100. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. people's perceptions are, it's, are really different, you know what I mean, in every sort of aspect of life. You know, one people person. One, it's yeah. like they say, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. We all look yeah, at yeah. differently. You know, there, there's one more point I'd love to add on that is is we still have to acknowledge the fact that most Muslims don't know Islam academically. Yeah. They they I would say I would say even 99 percent of people don't know. There, there's certain hardcore beliefs that are just embedded in you. The travel through word of mouth through your parents as you're growing up. So in that word of mouth, the actual word is homosexuality is terrible. Stay away from that. That's disgusting. It's yucky. Those people are deviant people. So, so that, that is a narrative that is built up. Now, when I was growing up, now when I came to Australia in 2003, even at that time, I noticed that, that when I was in university, we used to say, oh, that's so gay. You know, as though gay is something uh, yucky, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You know, your parents. Are, so, but well, we don't say that anymore because we have realized that that gay, being gay is not bad. So get on with it, find a new word. Now that is still, 
I would say Muslim on the modern Muslim world is going through that stage now where they are now saying, okay, gay is a, being gay is not that. So there, there's a huge shift in the attitude with, again, uh, as I said, and you would notice that in the older generation, my parents' generation, even though they might be tolerant, they might not, they might not say, okay, kill homosexuals or whatever, they would still irk about being gay. And, and that is not that far from, our, from the Western counterparts either, where, you know, the 10, 20 years ago, even Western parents would be like, oh, I'm very disappointed that my child turned out to be gay. So yeah. it, it, it's, I, I say that as a part of a moral zeitgeist, a lot of that, would, that, that hatred, the, the weird feeling, the unacceptance, all of that will actually go away. The moment, if we just start, if we just stop the narrative, which, which travels more from the word of mouth and, 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 and our uh, societal rejection of homosexuality by, by teaching kids that all that's disgusting, even though you're not coming from the religious angle. So th- that's why there's a lot of homophobia which can go away. If we, and, and, I, and I am hopeful in that sense that, A, okay, we, we now shame people who, who, do, who make homophobic statements. We don't let them get away with it easily. Or at least we try to. I mean, I'm not sure if you're going to speak that Israel Kalal issue, but um, and that is what I'm, I'm seeing in the Muslim world now. They say, okay, well, God hates homosexuality. That's between you and God, Allah. That's between you and God. But I don't hate you because you're homosexual. Yes, what you're doing is sinful and deviant and whatnot. But I don't hate you. It's not between me and you. So, so there, there's a little bit of a shift in that um, in, in that religious approach as well. But then in the mainstream. Um, uh, uh, as well, there, there's, a, there's, an appro- there's, a, there, there's an approach that, okay, if you're homosexual, none of my business, that's okay, my best friend is gay and all that, so let's move yeah, on in yeah. what, And what have you learned about people since leaving the old beliefs behind? Like the people that you've met through? Um, I, look, I mean, I, 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 I've gone through many phases as well. The, 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 when, when I came out as an atheist, when I wrote the book, now I look back and I think my, my language might have been a little bit too harsh. I still stand by everything that I've, that I've written in there. Um, be, because I think 2017 was a very important year in the history of Pakistan. When I was keeping an eye on Pakistan, a lot of things happened. And some atheists got lynched, uh, one atheist got lynched uh, by a mob, brutally murdered. Uh, five, six atheist bloggers were arrested and all, all that. And I was actually quite angry and I thought, okay, I need to come out. I need to speak my mind. I need to talk against religion because the status quo is not working. That, okay, those of us who are lucky enough to move to a foreign country, we can live our lives as free atheist human beings. But there are people like me living in those Muslim countries who who, who haven't been that lucky. So, so so I was a little bit angry. So so, so I, I I might have been a little bit too too um, strong on on um, on being anti-religious. And, you know, as a, a Christopher Hitchens used to say, he's anti-theist. Well, I'm, I I don't think I want to be like that. I uh, and, and I've changed my view a lot on that because I have seen a lot of other people as well. Like I've seen Christian, I'm, I'm not sure how you're familiar with this. There's a concerted effort of, of uh, trying to follow in the footsteps of Christianity where we had reformation and enlightenment in uh, age in the, you know, in the new enlightenment age in the 18th, 17th, 18th and 19th centuries. Um, there, there's a concerted effort to go the same route with Islam. 
Um, obviously, the details are different. There was no uh, Bible is not the little word of God. Quran is the little word of God and whatnot. So there are a few changes, but we can see that there. If if a person can remain a Christian by by being tolerant towards homosexuals, giving equal rights to to women, um, you know, even believing in evolution, you can still remain Christian, and nobody is scared of those Christians. And I don't care whether they believe in a fairy tale or not. It's just nothing. I would I would treat them with respect. Exactly. I would shake hands with them, and I and I would not think any less of them. And, and I have no reason to fear them either because you know, they, their thoughts are lightful. They're pro LGBT, pro feminist, they're you know, equal rights for everyone, humanist philosophy, and whatnot. The problem in Islam is, unfortunately, we have a lot more fundamentalists than that. And the, the Islam is obviously running a century or two behind. So we need to pull them out and bring them into that. So, so somehow, either you can leave Islam altogether and become an atheist, that's great for me. Well, I mean, for people like us, sure, that'd be great. But, but we can see, we have seen time and time again, even in educated societies, that there's a, there's a will to hold on to religion or some sort of a God. You can't just, you can't just bombard them with facts and turn them into atheists. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. The, the amount of stretches and gymnastics that people go through to defend their religion or just the vague notion of God is just immense. So I don't have a problem with those who just believe in a God, who even believe in a peaceful version of Islam. I say, you know, my mother, for example, my parents are the prime example of that, you know. Um, uh, I have somehow over the years made them, you know, so normal towards homosexuality. And I've told them, you know, if my kid is, turns out to be homosexual, I'm going to have no problem. Mom. Would you have a problem with your grandchild? And, uh, and initially, I know that they used to think, well, that's just bad. You know, what's going to happen? How are they going to reproduce and whatnot? You know, uh, the same problem. But now they don't have that problem. Hmm. So, I mean, even those people in, this, in, in, the, in the early 60s, late 60s, they, they can change. And, you know, the younger generation has definitely a lot more potential to change. So I've seen that a lot of people, different cultures, different people, they all have their own beliefs and stories that they come from. But at the end of the day, if they're willing, I, I also think at the same time, they're willing to change. There is, the altruism is not dead in humanity. I mean, our species very heavily relies on that. We end. We try to be nice to each other as much as possible, but then obviously there, there comes a point when there's a direct conflict, and then we say that's when we go, no, fuck you, we're gonna just destroy everyone, and yeah, yeah. you know, we go to wars and all that. Even uh, 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 historically as well, uh, our, our number of wars have been going down quite dramatically as well. Even um, the um, in terms of body count, the, the 20th century was the bloodiest of that. But still, if you look at historically, the amount of battles in the 20th century were less than the amount of battles in the in the um, uh, in the preceding centuries. So our, our number of wars are going down. We are we, we we are now trying to be kinder to animals. We're now trying to be better to the environment, although there's a vested interest in that because we want to preserve the environment for our future generation, not necessarily that the environment has feelings. But, but, we're, but we're trying to be nicer to each other. We're trying to redefine human rights, etc. So I think people have this urge to be good. We just need to keep reminding them of that. And yeah, um, and, yeah and, and, and that's how I actually see people. That's good. Would you introduce your children to religion? I, 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 I've, been, I've been asked that before so many times, <laughs> and maybe that's why I still don't have any children. <laughs> but, but I would say, I would, I would say, I would definitely teach them 
about religions. I don't. I think my own bias will come in at some point where I would, where I would tell them, look, some people believe there is a God, but scientists yeah. believe there is no God, and obviously it's. it's it's quite natural that your children tend to follow you. They follow their parents and they would say, well, Dad, what do you believe in? I said, well, of course there's no God. I don't believe in God. And it's likely that that, that will rub off on my children and they may, they may also end up being atheists. But there would be no pressure, so to speak. Um, there, there would be, you know, I, I wouldn't tell them that, um, you know, how stupid of you. You believe that Santa Claus is real? <laughs> or you believe that God created the heavens and earth in six days or with magic? How stupid of you? I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I think I'd be the same. I think that I'd, I'd, I'd teach them about what is out there for everybody, not just for one group of people. I think I would, I think I'd still do the Santa Claus because who doesn't love presents? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but I would, you know, yeah. and I think I would maybe take them to a church, you know, once mm. in their life so they can then experience that. And then the rest of them, the rest of it is up to them. You, if you, that is the problem. Well, it is. Yeah. Because then they can become, you know, it's a problem because, you know, like I, I just thought of that, that you, because you've come from a Christian background, you would take your child to, to a church. And I was thinking, well, I would take my child to a mosque one for, uh, once or once. I mean, should, in the interest of fairness, shouldn't we be teaching them about the Aboriginal myths as well? Shouldn't we be I teaching so them about agree with that. the? So, so I mean, it's so unfair. Religious hegemony has been so unfair for so long that even as atheists, we, we are still suffering from it in a way. Yeah. So, okay, I will teach them about Islam. No, but hang on, why can't I teach them about Hinduism or the ancient Roman religion? Why, why should Jupiter be left behind? Um, and then let the child decide. So, so, and, and to be and to be honest, that's close to I don't know. Let's say close to three thousand religions have been invented throughout human history, or at least you know to some extent. Yeah. Ten thousand gods. How am I? You know, how am I gonna teach them about ten thousand gods? It's just it's you know, <laughs> it's just gonna be enormous waste of resources. So yeah. I think the bias will, will be there, and if you can just overall show the atheist versus God argument, which those arguments are quite simple and they're quite narrowed down. So maybe we can tell them about that and then they can pick. Okay, maybe just give them, you, give them the dictionary. To to the <laughs> give them the dictionary yeah, of yeah, religion and say, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either there is a God or there is no God. If, there is a, if, you, if you think there is a God, then maybe go and, uh, you know, the, there you go. Just go and pick whichever one you want out of 10,000. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough that you did mention about the Aboriginal stuff though, because um, I actually uh, was born and bred in Queensland and when I mm. was at school and uh, especially at school, not even in the religious um, classes that I do, but we were taught all about the Aboriginal stuff and, and it was absolutely amazing to have that, you know, I mean, cause really I, I sort of learned about that before I even did learn about Christianity because that was before the yeah. my parents separated and because my parents didn't go to church or practice religion in the home, we really knew nothing about it until we were then shown by our grandparents. So it's actually interesting you say that because it was a, you know, it was a beautiful way to look at, you know, the world because it's, it, some of the stories are absolutely amazing to get to learn. Um, I was going to ask you, do you believe some of the ways that the media report on the Muslim faith? Like, are they sort of giving us the worst news all the time or is, do you think it's fair? 
I I think there's always some sort of uh, there's some sort of cynicism as well, but sometimes I think they they go too far, maybe not deliberately, but sometimes they actually hide too much mm. to try to be politically correct. Wow. Um, it, it's and I and I think media is run by humans and humans are fallible. And those journalists, some of them might have some biases towards Muslims themselves. They might be, you know, uh, they might be against immigration. They might be against uh, asylum seekers. They might be, they might be against religions themselves. They could be hardcore atheists. They could be pro, pro-Christian and they might hate other religions from that angle. So as a result, that would reflect to some extent. But as an organization, I think, I think the media, hides too much, where they are too worried about being labeled as, as, um, as racist, so to speak. And this term Islamophobia has been put in uh, everyone's mind now that we see, we see the far left people who just come out and they start attacking anyone who criticizes Islam. No, not, it doesn't happen with us brown people, us native people, because, you know, then they have to choose between Okay, should I go after a brown man or I should go after a brown man uh, in defense of other brown men who, yeah, who, yeah. whose religion is just brown enough? So, yeah, it, it, it's a problem. It's a problem with with um, uh, mostly with white people. The the white Australians they get attacked a lot if if you just simply say something about Islam. If you say, well, you know, there's wife feeding worse in the Quran. Uh, you're not meant to talk about it because you're too white to speak about it. So I I, I think this political correctness fear, I I sincerely believe that this is only a phase. It's not going to get worse. But then we see uh, other types of views come in as well, you know, like um, this sense, you know, Israel Falau, what he said, I I don't know if you agree with me, you probably uh, might have a different opinion on that. I say he should not have been sacked. There's a reason behind that. Oh, no, sorry, I, I do say he should be sacked, but I don't think that he should have been stopped from uh, starting a GoFundMe campaign. I don't think he should have been gagged about... Sp- okay, so, uh, so, so I, I don't know if you would agree with me on, on, uh, on how the Isol Palau situation was handled, but the, I, I, I think that pe- people in the West take freedom of speech for granted. They don't realize what an amazing blessing that has been over the over the centuries ever since um the freedom of speech idea was was in, included in the in, in the american constitution and then it filtered through the, the rest of the world in the in the western world mm. freedom of speech is one thing that sets the western world apart from the from the eastern world and you know you have the muslim world and the chinese and all, all the other uh, cultures as well the we, we take that for granted, but if, when we start deciding what people are allowed to say and what, are, what they're not allowed to say, even if we, now we are living in a very pluralistic society where we don't tolerate comments that are homophobic in nature or that are anti, um, the, the anti-women's rights, so to speak. But we shouldn't be gagging people. We should be allowed, we, 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 should, we, we still have freedom of speech. They still should be allowed to say whatever they believe. Israel allows. Um, he, he was expressing his beliefs as ridiculous as they are. He should be allowed to say it. 
And then we can exercise our freedom of speech by condemning them, by, by, exactly. by even ridiculing his thoughts. Um, but when, for example, when he tried to raise funds in GoFundMe campaign, GoFundMe just, you know, blocked his campaign and they said, well, you know, it's anti, uh, it's homophobic and blah, blah, blah. GoFundMe as an organization should stay, remain neutral. It should not become a party that which side are they on. Let him, let him show his, uh, let him express his beliefs and views and, 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 and I, let the society agree, deal with I it. I agree with that part. Let, let him, you know, let, allow him his freedom of speech. Not a problem at all. What I don't, what I don't agree with is, first of all, he, was, he, he supposedly put it onto Twitter and it wasn't even that, mm. it was even ones before that, but he's put it up on Twitter. You know, the man is a well-known footballer with a, you know, a yeah. verified tick next to his name from Twitter. He's mm. got, as his position, at which, which is written on, you know, people will say what they actually do in life. He has a professional footballer for the Wallabies written there. Mm. Now, he did it once. They warned him to not do it again. He then did it again. Mm. Now that's that's uh, that's okay. In I the, I agree with that. Yeah, th- that's okay in the world of freedom of speech, but not mm. under freedom of contract. <laughs> because if you've got a contract, that, no, that's I I yes, yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, co- companies can enforce their policies because they have a reputation to keep. That's they have right. a brand to uh, to 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 show to the world. So they employers can do that, and as a result, if I'm an employee of of any uh, of any company, I cannot use that platform to show my personal beliefs, which may not be in line with with with, with, with the modern world or whatnot, exactly. etc. So, so then I have a responsibility. So I mean, I even no just have a different Twitter page. That. You know, have a yeah, personal but, Twitter page and put all that up. Yeah, I, I I think even then he would get in trouble because he would still because the employer has a freedom as well not to be associated with someone who's, who's spreading hate. Um, yeah, and they've even probably got though, you know, he, he, the contract also that, you know, that doesn't sort of just he, mean when he's at work. Yeah, it doesn't release you. I'm, I'm okay with that. But, but the point is how uh, the, my, my bigger worry is GoFundMe, for instance, as I said. But with that, they should not have been. Because when all this was in the boil, I actually was one of the first people that went on because I just thought to myself, well, hang on, how can you – are you allowed to do that? So I actually went and looked at their terms and conditions and he had broken, I think it was number nine or 10, which basically said that, you know, you cannot sort of vilify, you, you can't, well, actually he broke two because it, it supposedly it said you can't use, uh, raise money to fund court, you know, a cost which are directly related to a homophobic homophobia, blah blah blah. They named a numerous amount of them. So he actually did break the the rules there of GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. A lot of people then wrote back and then said, "But but you've got this person that's on there and this person that's on there. Yeah, you do, but no one's had the focus like him and had people that like mm-hmm. myself that are going to jump on there and go, "Hang on, mate, are you actually following the rules here? Let's find out." You know what I mean? I'm sure yeah. now those people with those and, other campaigns that are similar to his are also going to be taken down. I don't think they just, and, and, you know. Yeah, but, 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 but that's why those terms are problematic, and I'll tell you how. My friend uh, Ali Rizvi, who's also an author of a book, The Atheist Muslim, now he, 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 he showed Mecca, 
you know, you see the, that black box that Muslims go in. He showed Mecca with the pride colors. And the Twitter just went into a meltdown. Um, and they attacked him, abused him, and they said, you know, this is Islamophobia. Now, the people complained uh, about his tweet. He's got a blue tick as well. People complained to Twitter about it. Now they have to choose. Now, now Twitter has to choose between Islamophobia or homophobia, because now Muslims are being homophobic. Those people who are complaining, they're becoming homophobic. And they say, well, you can't use pride color on our religious symbol. Whereas he's saying, well, I'm showing um, that your religion is also tolerant towards uh, homosexuality, so, so you shouldn't take offense. Now Twitter have to choose between Islamophobia or homophobia. And, uh, and fortunately for him, they went with, uh, with uh, they, they kept with the Twitter. They said, no, hang on. We're not going to side with Islamophobia claim this time. We're going to... We're going to start with the homophobia. So, so that's why organizations, now, even for Twitter, for instance, they should stay out of this Islamophobia, homophobia, uh, or, you know, this anti-feminist movement or men movement. They should stay out of that. Because it really that, is. Just now you can't be... Much, isn't it? it really is. It's, it's, yeah. It's sort yeah, of like... And, and it's like so, oh. Yeah, exactly. So as I said, who would you choose, Islamophobia or homophobia? And they had to choose one of the two, and they, picked, they, they, picked, they went with homophobia. So, so, so this is the, uh, that's my point. And yes, contractors can say, because contractors can actually stay neutral in that. I mean, employers can stay neutral in that. They're saying, we're not endorsing homosexuality, nor we're condemning homosexuality. We are neutral. So if our employees or our contractors um, show one way or another they could, they, they, they could, you know, they could get in trouble. So, so also in that sense as well, heterosexuality cannot be promoted or condemned. So, so they need to truly look into their terms and conditions and they need to truly become neutral and they're not a party, one or the other, because you will always have people, we're going to have this conflict for a very long time yeah. um, about a homosexuality is good or not, women should be allowed to, um, you know, play, play rugby in short shorts or not. I mean, all, all the, the tennis stars should have the same amount of money as men or not. I mean, all these problems are there. That's why the organizations should stay neutral and then let people, let the public discourse decide. And yeah. freedom of speech cannot be attacked or questioned or, or even, um, uh, you know, it, it cannot be brought into the, into the question. That's no, my point. I agree. I think that's a great idea. Listen, um, I, we've um, gone over time, which is great. <laughs> but what I wanted to do before we do go is, um, if, could you actually tell the listeners how they can find you, uh, you know, where they can find the book? Yeah, certainly. Um, my, you can always find me. I have a website where I write my, hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you can you can you can find me on Facebook under Harris Sultan. You can find me on Twitter, Harris Sultan. I have a website, harrisultan.com, where I write opinion uh, write my opinion pieces every now and then. Obviously, you can write my, you can read my book. Um, it is on Amazon and iTunes and Google Play and all, all your favorite bookstores. Um, there's no audio book out yet. Um, we are working on that. Hopefully, it would be released later on towards the end of the year. Um, so yeah, and, and, and um, I'm very hands-on approach. People do write me a lot and I try to respond to a lot of people. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, can, you can reach me very easily in this day and age. So just to let you know, it's called The Curse of God, Why I Left Islam, and it is available on Amazon. 
and it's Harris Sultan. So H-A-R-R-I-S-S-U-L-T-A-N. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Harris. Um, I really appreciate it. It's been so fascinating. I absolutely love talking about this issue. Thank you very much, Anne. Thank you for having me. My pleasure and hope to talk soon. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you. Ants talk. It's like Oprah, but not.